Good morning, RCC family. I hope you guys are having a beautiful Sunday morning, especially my dads. Hopefully your kids made you coffee and breakfast this morning and you're feeling loved and valued. We're gonna have something for you later on in the service to help you feel even more appreciated. So this morning I have a few announcements for you. If you went to our food truck night, you might've gotten a survey from the city kids. If you weren't there, we still would love for you guys to fill out that survey. You're gonna find it on our Facebook prayer wall. Make sure you turn that in. It's gonna give us some really great information as we move into regathering. And then on June 23rd, we are gonna have a follow-up meeting from our Just Mercy. So if you went and you saw the movie or if you've read the book, we're gonna have a group that's gonna have a little bit of dialogue about some of the things that came up in the movie. Check your Facebook and your email. You'll receive a guide with some questions for you to kind of process before you go to the group. And then again, that's gonna be June 23rd at 7.30 at the table. And then on the 24th, our city kids are gonna have a volunteer planning meeting. We'll have two meetings available for you. We'll have one at 12.30 and it'll be at the table and then another one at 7.30 that evening and it'll be in the sanctuary. If you would like to be involved with city kids in this next season, it's gonna be a really great meeting for you to show up to. And then finally for our magazine, our gathering magazine, we've been so excited and blessed from the response we received. We still have a few more issues, so if you wanna go on our Facebook prayer wall or our online store, you'll be able to purchase it there for free or for donation. Again, that website is gonna be thegatheringmag.com. And for our Psalm reading today, it's gonna to be from Psalm 86, and it says, incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you. O Lord, you shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You are God alone. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign for your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. And Father God, we just thank you so much that you are a God of strength and forgiveness and kindness. We thank you for all the fathers this morning who show your character every day and how they interact with their families. We thank you for the nurturing and fathering men in our communities who stand up for justice, who teach, who guide, who listen. Lord, we pray a special blessing over them and their households this morning. And Lord, we thank you that your spirit is felt and known in our communities and in our homes this morning as we gather to worship. We pray that you make yourself known and that we are quiet enough to listen. We love you and we thank you for joining us this morning and we worship you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, good morning, River City. Uh, we're going to start Prayers of the People. Um, I know there's been so much going on in the world lately, and many of you feel exhausted and depleted and heavy-hearted. And so I want to invite us to 
enter before the Lord's gates today and ask him um, to remedy the things that are happening, to make movement. And so I want to start by reading a verse out of Psalm 86 that Mariah read. It says, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. In the day of my trouble, I call on you, for you will answer me. So we're praying for the universal church, its members, and its mission today. We're praying for unity, despite all of the political discord that our country is undergoing and how these things have entered into your church. But God, we pray that we would be unified under the name of Jesus, that despite differences, that we might come together for justice and peace. We pray, God, for your church who is exhausted, God, that you might motivate us to love and to listen. God, that you would increase our threshold of listening and our ability to hold weight that we haven't held before. We pray for all of our brothers and sisters suffering from coronavirus around our world, that you might bring healing to your people. God, we continue to pray for the increased persecution happening around our world. As 60 plus Nigerians were killed this last week by Boko Haram, God, we pray that you might bring an end to this terroristic group. God, as we've prayed about the impact Boko Haram has had for so many times as we've stood here praying as prayers of the people, God, we pray that you would actually make movement. God, these wouldn't just be storylines, but God, that you would change this narrative. In this day of trouble, we call on the Lord. For our world and all those in it, God, we thank you for the gift of our world, for the weather and the life that we have here. We're continuing to pray for our political leaders around our world. We thank you for the police reform efforts by President Trump this week. But God, we're also remembering the lives of our black brothers and sisters that have died in recent days. We remember the names of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Sean Monterosa, and Robert Fuller. God, and so many others, both named in the news and not. God, we pray for comfort for their families and the justice would be had for broken systems that perpetuate violence in our nation. In this day of trouble, we call on the name of the Lord. For the welfare of Smyrna and the surrounding areas, God, we are all hurting over the death of Rayshard Brooks. God, we pray that justice might be served. God, as another black man is even killed in our own streets, God, we pray for him, his family, God, all of those affected. God, we pray for our police. God, as there are reports coming that Atlanta police are not even showing up, God, and that these Police men and women and their families have been greatly impacted as they're under intense scrutiny and forced to operate in fear. God, we pray that you might bring speedy resolutions and comfort. God, we thank you for the peaceful protests in our own city and the efforts made by our city officials and public officers. God, we're praying for those that are continually impacted by the pandemic. God, both economically and physically, we're praying for those in our communities that are food hungry, God, for those families that are on the brink of homelessness, for the unemployed peoples, God, we pray for new opportunities. God, that you might show us how to divert our resources. In this day of trouble, we call on the Lord. For the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it, we thank you for the financial contributions made by the River City community as we exceeded our own needs this past month and are now able to give in new ways. God, we are thankful for these opportunities. Show us the ways that we might contribute to our society. God, we pray for Marilyn Hale. God, that you would restore her relationship with her son. 
and that you would heal, comfort, and embolden her to speak your truth. For Brooke Hamill's grandmother, we pray for her healing. For Cassie Witt's mother, God, that you would continue, God, to move in her life and that you would bring healing to her and that there would be comfort for the family. We continue to pray for the isolated and the lonely and the exhausted in this community. We pray that you might comfort us and cause your face to shine upon us. In this day of trouble, we call on the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, River City family, happy Father's Day. Wanted to give you guys a quick update financially. As you've heard already through Prayers of the People and you've seen online, last month we had the best response and giving we've ever had as a body. And we've had conversations over the last couple months about the honest needs that we have and the honest beliefs as body members, what it looks like to help participate in giving. And we wanted to stop and make sure you understood how meaningful and how um, encouraging that is for us as we navigate and plan in this season. You've already heard Jordan say once that we are able to be generous in ways that we haven't been able to yet. Not that we haven't been being generous, but we are about to be even more generous, and a lot of that is because of your giving. And number two, because of the way that you've been given, giving, we'll be able to navigate future larger-scale decisions for our church, including staff ads and things of that nature, it will make it an easier conversation to have as we pray about what's needed. So I just wanted to stop and say thank you so much for continuing to give and continuing to give on a monthly basis. It is very helpful. We're also going to give you a quick update, kind of the largest update we've had in our COVID season about our gathering, and that is that in one week, we will be gathering for the first time here in this sanctuary. You can silently clap or clap aloud or do whatever you like to celebrate because I know we need to see each other, and I'm glad that we get to do that responsibly one week from today. I do want to pause and say, as we continue to move forward to regathering, that I don't want this to be a time where we have to choose to only focus on reacclimating to gathering in society and as a body and choose to not look at how we can continue to step into the racial injustices. I was praying this week and felt that God was saying that we can do both. We don't have to choose. And so I think that's our response and that's our role this week as we get excited to be together, to be reminded that we can step into and speak into both. Both are important right now. Both are big things happening that we need to be a part of as a body of Christ and as people. And so as we move forward in prayer, we're going to continue to ask how to be a part of the conversations and how our body can be a part of helping eliminate racial injustice in our city and in our nation and how to begin to be learners and be humble and to process correctly. But also, we want to get excited about being together. And I want to encourage you in all of the conversations we're having, whether it's regathering, when, when we should, should we not, or the racial injustice we can invite Jesus into that, and we can continue to lean into him as our source, which is what I'm asking for you to do this week. Spend time in prayer, seeking God for our city, for our world, for the regathering, for the people that are sick, but get excited about being together. The things you need to know are it will be next Sunday. We will have two services, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. They will be one hour long, and there will be an hour break in between services there's two reasons for that. One, we need to clean the sanctuary. And two, kids can't really be stuck in a room that long. And we understand that. And so 
We're gonna keep our services at one hour for the foreseeable future. There will also be two mom's rooms open for people that need to spend time in there, as well as a toddler's room for kids who need to kind of get out of the sanctuary for a bit with their family. They'll be sectioned off playing areas in that room. We'll also have tables in the back for families with toddlers so that they can spend time and not feel like they have to rein it in so much. We will also be sending out a sign-up sheet because there will be 80 spots per service, which means we need you to sign up and tell us exactly how many people are coming with you so that we can be adequately prepared for everything that's needed. We're going to take measures to make sure everyone remains safe while they're here, whether it's thermometer checks or if it's masks or even just mapping out where things are going to be and where to walk. All of these things are being thought through and will be done by next week. But the big thing is making sure you sign up. And for those of you who can't come still, we're going to live feed the services continually for you guys to be able to be a part at home. So bringing it all together, get excited. One week from today, we get to be together. Continue to pray about the things that are important and sign up when you see the sheet come out. Thank you, guys. I'm going to say a quick prayer before we step into our message. Father, I thank you for the opportunity over these last three months to stir and allow things to be stirred and to be stirred and to have deeper conversations with you and each other. You've given us many lessons that won't stop right now. These are not nuggets we're taking out. They're changes we're reorienting our lives around. So we ask you to give us the wisdom we need, and we pray that you would be truly with this body, Koinonia, as we gather, that you're your church, your ecclesia will experience the presence, God, of your spirit's power, that we would lean into you and that you would be our source and that we would feel the rumblings of what you're trying to do, to say yes to your invitations and that we would more than anything choose to be with you, to become like you and do what you did in every area of our lives. Thank you so much for what you're doing, God. We trust you and we need you. We're excited to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name's Justin Boggs, a new face during this uh, virtual church time. Um, today, uh, we're going to be diving into uh, praise and worship. Uh, so I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited to wear this little contraption here for the first time. I've been dying to do this for years now, uh, so I'm pretty pumped up about that. Um, um, and first, I'm going to pray, um, and then we'll get started. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, would you come and invade this place here and invade our homes, invade our families? Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, and if you can't do that, I pray that you would speak in spite of me. And I pray that our eyes would be open, that we would be able to know and grasp that when we gather together and worship, it's much more than what we can see and feel in the natural, that, Lord, that you would remove the veil from our eyes and that we would see that we are joining with heaven as we worship together. And then when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that your worship here on earth would be like the worship in heaven. So we love you, and we thank you for all that you do and that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. With it being Father's Day, I would first want to start off with a 
with a shout out to my dad, Mike Boggs, who's in uh, Macon, Georgia. Uh, he's been a great dad, dad. You're a great dad. I love you very much. You're a role model to me. And uh, I, I look up to you so much. So I just want to thank you. All the, the natural fathers and the spiritual fathers, I pray that you would be blessed today as well. Um, and with that, talking about my dad, I will kind of segue into share a little bit about my, about my testimony about, um, and how I got to where I am at right now. Uh, back in, on March 13th, 1979, I was born in Panama City, Florida. Right before I was born, the doctors came into the room and said that there's a problem, that there's the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck and that they needed to go in to do a C-section right away. So of course, my mom didn't know uh, how bad things were. Uh, my dad didn't either. So they took me off to surgery, did a C-section. Then they put me wherever they put newborn babies after that. So my mom still didn't even know what had happened. So they brought my dad to see me. And when I was born, I was born with something called a cleft lip and a cleft palate. Basically, that means that there's a split in the lip here, and then that goes down into the roof of the mouth. So when you looked at me, you can see that there was this cleft there. But when my dad looked at me, I was breathing fast, and he didn't see, like Bill up here. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> He didn't see this. He asked the nurse, is my heart okay? Because I believe that he had the father's heart that day, that he was worried about my heart. And then when we gather and worship, that's what it is. It's about our hearts. The Lord is concerned about our hearts, and we want our hearts to connect to his hearts. So as, as I grew up, I was very self-conscious. I was super introverted, like crazy introverted, because I looked different. I had to have multiple surgeries when I was a young kid. And even, I think the last surgery I had, I was like 14 or 15 years old. Um, but as a result, one side looked different. My voice sounded different. And I was afraid to speak, because I would get, what's wrong with your voice? Or I would be in a new situation and they would say, what's wrong with your face? So there are days I would, I would go home crying and my parents did great on, they're just kids, they don't know what they're talking about. But that affected me. I, it drew me even to where I didn't want to speak, I didn't want to get into a new situation because then I had to talk and introduce myself and I didn't want to do that. And then, as a result, I would then try to do great in sports or do great academically, because if I did well in those things, that I thought people would forget this. Fast forward to, to college, um, and in the year 1999, that summer, I was a part of a worship team from the Wesley Foundation in Athens at UGA, uh, where we went around and uh, we did summer camps that whole summer. So we were down in Valdosta, and I remember 
pretty vividly there. Uh, there was a young lady named uh, Janet Sheely who started talking out in James 1 and that, that consider it pure joy, brothers, when you undergo trials and because that will then lead to perseverance and maturity and character and things like that. And it was like, not, it was like the audible voice. I never heard the audible voice, but it was like the audible voice. It was like, this is why. And I had been praying. I went to church. I didn't like church. Um, went to church um, and I, I would pray, God, why this? Why did it happen to me? So then you fast forward 10 years later in Valdosta, Georgia, and it was that moment. And I remember just leaving the room. And it was like this, Bill, again, jeez. Um, and it was like this year, 10 years of, of praying and asking. And it says in Proverbs, how great is a timely word. And it was super timely. So what the enemy had tried to do from when I was in my mom's womb, choking me, silencing me, God was wanting to use. And that's the it. The, the area or even areas of your life that the enemy is attacking you most in are probably the areas that the Lord wants to use you most in. And if you asked 10-year-old Justin, 20-year-old Justin, heck, 30 or 32-year-old Justin, that I would be right here standing in front of a camera talking to people watching on YouTube, heck, no, that would not happen. But I am a living example of the redeeming quality of Jesus. He's used a lot of people in my life, mainly my better half. Uh, he's used her to bring me freedom in a lot of areas and, that, and to encourage me that the Lord wants to use my voice in this. So we're going we're gonna to dive on in. We're going to jump on in. For the sake of of this talk, and I will go ahead and preface this, that it's a lot of information, but hang in there. If you need to press pause, go get something to drink and come back, that's totally fine. Um, but for the sake of this talk, we're going to kind of combine praise and worship, those two words. We're going to speak about them separately, but we're going to combine them in kind of this double-edged sword, two-edged sword sort of thing. Sort of thing. And the topics of these two is too vast, too deep to cover in one little talk on a Sunday morning. So maybe in the future there will be opportunities, whether it's on a Sunday morning or on a Zoom call or Zoom, is it a Zoom call, Zoom meeting, whatever, um, that we can maybe dive into some more details about this. But I hope to lay a foundation that will hopefully spur us on to, uh, to deeper levels of worship and higher levels of worship when we start meeting back together again. But I must say in the front end, go and get this out of the way, that worship is way more than what we do on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night or whenever you gather. In essence, worship is how we live. Worship is not just a part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. We all know, you probably heard the, uh, the scripture, Romans 12, 1, that Paul writes. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So take your everyday life, the ordinary day in, day out, activities, sleeping, eating, talking, texting, school, work, at home, social media, so on. Are we ready to give up those things? Are we doing it for him? Are we doing it for ourselves? That's just something to think about. 
Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever we do, we should do it for the glory of God. In other words, do our actions, do our words, does our behavior point towards him or does it point towards us? So to make it even more personal for you, how you treat your friends is worship. How you treat your parents is worship. How you treat your neighbors is worship. How you treat your spouse is worship. How do you interact on social media is worship. Whatever we do and everything we do is worship. I love the passages in Hebrews 13, uh, 15 and 16. It sums it up pretty good. It says, through, uh, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. So what we do on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, whatever. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So if our worship inside these four walls here doesn't spill out into the streets, into our homes, into our schools, into our workplaces, into our relationships, then I have to really question if we have truly worshiped. There's so many definitions of worship out there, but one of my favorites is by a guy named Aaron Keyes. It says, worship is the natural expression of what is at the center of our lives. Does that make sense? So, for example, let's say, say you struggle with anger. So I encourage you to have a sit down and really think about what you spend your time doing, what you're watching, what you're listening to. Are they things that create anger inside you? If you do this honestly, I think you'll find out what you really worship. I'm not sure if this happens to anybody else, but multiple times a week I can look at a clock and it's the same time. I don't know about you, but when I look at a clock multiple times, it says 12.34. And for a while there, I just kind of wrote it off as whatever. But then I asked the Lord, um, why am I seeing 12.34 all the time? Uh, and he told me to Matthew 12, verse 34, says, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another version says, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what comes out of our mouth as we worship with our lives and with song and with our actions? That is an overflow of what's at our heart. And there's one fact that I do know that I want you to really take home, maybe even write down. You will become what you worship. In 2 Corinthians uh, 3, our friend Paul again says, that Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we are transformed into his likeness, or his image, as we worship with ever-increasing ever glory, which comes from the Lord. So it's not man-made, it's from the Lord. So we become like him, we become more Christ-like as we worship. There's a question that we sometimes get asked, like who, who should worship? And the answer is simply everyone. And Isaiah 43 says, the people I have formed, so you and me and everyone, will declare my praise. And then 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 9, well, um, I think we have that. No, we don't have that. I'm just kidding. But I'll read it here. But you are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So you're chosen so that you can de declare his praises. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So a few more passages that we're going to get into today has come from Psalms. Uh, we're going to read both of those here. It's Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land when there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate, meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. And then Psalm 86, which is part of the lectionary for this week, I read a couple of verses, 9 and 10 and 12 and 13. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Um, the shield there would be grave as well. So in the Hebrew language, there are seven different words for praise. And I believe in uh, David's tabernacle that the Levites that he chose, or the Lord chose, were doing all seven as they were worshiping in the temple. So when we look at these words for praise, all of them are an outward expression, often loud and exuberant. So with praise... Our praise is either directed to God, like I praise you, God, or our praise is directed to others about God. So there's something incredible happens that we join together in unity and praise and worship. It's just different. We see in the book of Revelation where John, he sees the people surrounding the throne of Jesus and he describes them as, being, as looking like a sea of glass. Later on in the book, it says that this sea of glass now looks like it's mixed with fire. So when we worship, my fire connects with that person's fire, which then connects to that person's fire, and then that person's fire, and that person's fire. You get the picture. It's like this synergy, or it's like multiplying fires together when we come together and worship. Such a beautiful sight to behold. Now, I don't know about you, I'm a college football fan. Uh, my teams are uh, UGA and Florida State. Um, probably Florida State over Georgia, I'm sorry. I just gotta be honest, I'm sorry. But when I'm uh, watching football by myself and one of those teams does well, here's, here's my celebration. That's it. I'm just by myself. I just raise my hands, all quiet. But if I'm at the game or if I'm with a group of people, it's like yelling, screaming, hugging, um, giving high fives. 
So again, it's like this, when we get together, it's just this combination of fires that are linked together. Uh, such such amazing sight to see. So going back to these uh, scriptures, Psalm 63, first, it says, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Here, the praise, that word is halal. That's where we get hallelujah, praise Yahweh. Um, and this means to celebrate the Lord, to be boastful and to act clamorously foolish. A little side note there, that word hallelujah is said the same in any language here on earth. Hallelujah is said the same. It's kind of cool. So my mouth will joyfully boast and celebrate you. The next one, I love this one. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. That word for praise there is Shabbat. And this means to praise him with a shout and a loud voice. Man, I long to get to the place where his love, just, I can sense it so much that the only response I have is just to shout. I want, I want to be there. I don't know about you, but I want to be there. And then next, it says, in your name, I will lift up my hands. The lifting of hands is one of the Hebrew words we find in the Bible. The word is yada. Um, and we see it again in Psalm 86, verse 12. I will praise you with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Here, that word for, for praise is yada. So when I picture someone raising uh, their hands up, there are three things that came to my mind that, uh, that, I, that I thought of when you raise your hand. Number one, a sign of surrender. When somebody surrenders, what are they doing? They're raising their hands. So in the same way, we're saying, God, I surrender to you. My life is yours. I want to stop living for myself. I give it to you. Number two, I picture a young son or daughter uh, running to their mom or their dad wanting to be picked up. Their hands are up. They're saying, hey, I, I, I want to be picked up. I want you to hold me. I want you to pull me close. In the same way, we're saying, God, I'm coming to you. I want you to pick me up. I want you to pull me close to your heart. I want you to hold me. The third thing is... Uh, Again, a football reference is a, a wide receiver. A wide receiver will go find this open area, turn around to the quarterback, put up his hands, and say, I'm open. It's kind of a weird example when I was thinking about this, but I thought of a movie clip uh, to help me demonstrate what, uh, what this is so you can see it played out. The clip is from Ace Ventura, the first one, which is the better one, um, I know it's kind of weird. It's one of my favorite movies. So here, I'll set it up, is where Jim Carrey goes undercover to a mental hospital to find out more information about who stole the dolphin. So let's watch that clip. So as you see here in that clip, Jim Carrey, was in, he's around those bushes. He's running back and forth. He's saying, over here, I'm open. I'm open. In the same way when we worship, we're lifting up our hands, we're saying, over here, God, I'm open to what you have for me. I'm open to your move. Come, have your way in my heart. Now, there are four other words for praise in the Hebrew language. We don't have time to go through them all again. But there are things like to, to praise him with the song that's in your spirit. That's one of my favorite ones. You can ask the worship team that. 
That's where that residual song of praise that's in your heart, that's in your spirit. That could be when you wake up with a song in your heart, you're walking in a song, you're at work and a song comes to mind, you're working out, whatever. That's that song of praise that's just coming from your innermost being there. You can praise him by dancing. You can praise him for the things that you have and the things that are at hand that you don't have yet. And then you can praise him uh, uh, with mu musical instruments. Music is powerful, y'all. Like I can sit and listen to a symphony or an opera and just tears well up in my eyes. You may have watched the movie Greatest Showman, but um, we're, we're gonna hopefully watch a clip at the very end here, but there was a YouTube video uh, going around <clears throat> where uh, it's the first time that they did uh, a rehearsal for the song From Now On. And I remember sitting in our kitchen watching that and like, again, just started crying. I was like, why am I crying? But it's because music is powerful. And I believe that God uses music to connect our heart and our emotions to him. So out of all of these words, those seven, the thing to take home with you is that praise is an outward expression, is full of action, is motion. And I believe that praise is not praise unless it's expressed or verbalized. So I didn't say this, I'm, I'm a veterinarian. Uh, I graduated vet school in 2004, so 16 years now of being a veterinarian, time flies. But if you have a young puppy, you're trying to train this young puppy to sit or shake or fetch or use the bathroom outside. When they do what you want it to do, you're not gonna like just think, oh, good job, good, good boy, good girl. You're gonna like lay it on thick. You're gonna express it. You're gonna like, yay, good job, good boy. And you'll give them a treat. And that's how they're gonna, gonna learn. So you, you have to express it. You have to verbalize it. So um, something that we get sometimes in a question is that when should we praise? Again, simple answer is all the time. It says in Psalm 113, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Now David set up Levites to worship uh, before the Lord day and night. And he says in Psalm 34, that praise will continually be in, be in my mouth. Now I'm not asking you or not saying that you have to go around 24 hours a day singing songs, but you could if you want to. And there are some ministries that are doing that. Uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City and Atlanta have been doing it for years or decades and is go still going strong. But what I think more is um, that applies to us is worshiping him when times are good, it's mountaintop times, and then when things are not so good, those valley moments where our circumstances don't really line up. Some of you guys may know Tom, Tom Tanner. Uh, he's a pastor over at Riverstone, our, our, our mother church there, so to speak. Um, and he says one time that, a while ago that I'll never forget that praise and worship are not based on what kind of mood you're in, but it's based on the God you serve. You see, it's not based on your ever-changing emotions and feelings. It's based on his unchanging goodness. An example I have of that, years ago, I went to a uh, worship event concert at Six Flags 
They used to hold it during the summer. I think it was called Summerfest, maybe. And it was ridiculously hot. Like sweat dripping down, crazy hot. And I was not in a good mood at all. And I sure as heck did not want to worship. I even thought about leaving. But before I left, something caught my eye that just ruined me. Right in the center, right in the front part of the stage, they had the area for the deaf and the mute. And they were up there, sweating like crazy, just pouring their worship out in sign language. And I thought, I suck. Like, really? I am not even a Christian. Like, who am I to not worship when I don't feel like it? when I'm too hot. Well, for some, who am I to worship when my job is not good or I don't have a job or I'm arguing with this person or somebody cut me off in traffic on the way here and now I'm in a bad mood or they're not doing the songs and the drummer that I want to play is not playing, like whatever it is. He is worthy no matter what kind of mood we are in and no matter what circumstances we are facing in our lives. That's why it's called a, a sacrifice of praise. We read that in Hebrews 13 a little bit ago. It cost us something. We are sacrificing ourselves. Worship is selfless. See, the devil wants to steal your worship and make you want to focus on yourself. But as we focus our eyes on Jesus, the things of this earth will go strangely dim and we will become like him, like we mentioned. We become Christ-like as we worship. And you know, I believe sometimes our praises are the most meaningful to God when we least feel like offering them. I want to read this from my notes here so I don't mess it up. It says, I wonder sometimes if the biblical expressions of worship we are talking about today, so raising hands, shouting, dancing, things like that, is not only an expression of joyful worship, but it's also a way of experiencing dimensions of joy, joyful worship that we don't experience otherwise. Because there are dimensions of joy in God that are only experienced when we are, express ourselves in this way during worship. I hope that makes sense. I like examples. I'm going to give you another example. Back before it was Riverstone Church, it was called Westland Fellowship Church. And we used to meet in a place they called the Union Hall, which is like an old school cafeteria. I remember one Sunday during, uh, during worship, I was playing the guitar in the middle of the worship set. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I see this woman start running around the room. And she just kept running. But the thing is, it wasn't a distraction. Something in the room just shifted. Like the spiritual atmosphere shifted. It became one of the most holy and God and Jesus and spirit-filled moments in worship that I've ever experienced. All because this woman chose to step out in, bo in boldness and obedience to what the Lord was telling her to do. She merely said yes to him. I'm going to show my praise for you by running around this room, by acting clamorously foolish kind of like David did when he danced before the ark of the Lord. You know, sometimes we may feel that inner, that inner nudge to, to raise our hands 
or to, to jump or dance or shout. You know, I'm fairly reserved. I was much more so before, again, my testimony, super introverted. But one, one time during a worship set, God wanted me to jump and dance around. It was very awkward at first, I admit, but it felt so good inside. It was a joy that I would not have felt if I just continued to stand there. So this is what I'm talking about, that there's dimensions of joy that can only be experienced as we express ourselves in praise and worship. And when we talk about praise, I think of a, a one-way street. So praise is just going up, up to God. Worship, on the other hand, is like a two-way street. It's God revealing himself and us responding to him. So the words for uh, worship in, in the Hebrew language are more of a, a downward reverent submission to Jesus They're about falling down or kneeling down or laying down. Again, in Psalm 86, that uh, verse 9 says, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you. That word for worship is shakah, which means to bow down, to lay prostrate, and worship by falling down. There's a word for worship in the Greek language in the New Testament. It's called proskunio, which means to kiss intimately and adore. But the image they want you to take home for that is like a dog licking its master's hand. So again, another, a few more dog examples for you. Back when I was in vet school, I rescued this chocolate lab named Savannah. And she was super attached to me. I mean, like, really attached. And back in the day, I would probably sleep more on the sofa than I did my own bed. Super comfy. But there were times that I would be on the sleep on, uh, sleep on the sofa and I would open my eyes and she would just be there just staring at me. And all she wanted was me to reach out and put my hand on her head and she was satisfied. Or if I got up and moved around the house, she was like, she was following me. Her eyes were on me. If I left the room, she would get up and leave the room. I want to be like Savannah when we worship. Like I want to just look at Jesus. I want him to put his hand on me. If he moves, I want to move with him. I want to keep my eyes focused on his eyes. So when he looks this way, looks that way, I want to look too. Now we have a dog, a little Jack Russell mix named Dottie. Whenever we come home, she gets so excited. Like her whole body shakes. She makes these little whimpering noises. Um, and in the same way, I want to be like Dottie when we worship. So when I come into his presence... I just can't contain myself with excitement. So I want to start landing this plane, I promise. So I'm going to go back to Psalm 63. It says that David, that he, he states that he longed and was thirsty for Jesus. When he was in the desert, there was no water. He still only longed for Jesus. I just pray that my heart and our hearts will be like this when we come into a worship service. We want him, we want him alone. You see, Jesus responds to our hunger and our thirst. But here's the kicker. We will only be as hungry as we want to be. And nobody else can be hungry for us. The thing is, I believe a lot in the church are filling themselves up with things other than him. And we come to a gathering on a Sunday morning with a little bit of spiritual indigestion. Like it's, we get filled with other things and we come in, come in and there's no room uh, for him. So I pray that our hunger will be stirred up. 
There was a revival back in Wales, uh, Welsh revival. And uh, the catalyst for that was a young man uh, by Evan Roberts. And this is one of his quotes. What if I don't go to church and I miss the Holy Spirit? That is so good. I want that kind of hunger. That kind of hunger that's grieved if I don't go to church and I miss the Holy Spirit. Another example from the Bible is in Luke 2, Simeon. Simeon was an old man, spent a lot of time in the temple, and he had a word from the Lord that he would not die until he saw the Messiah, until he saw the Savior of the world. In one version, it says that he was waiting expectantly. So when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple, it was that instant spirit connection. Like we read about John 4 uh, that Jesus said, spirit and truth. It's that spirit connection, like that's the Messiah. And he immediately broke out into praise and worship. So our our network goes to uh, Scotland every year. It started back in 2017. I was on that first trip. Uh, Bill started the the year after in 2008. The first year, y'all, it was rough. Like capital R-O-U-G-H, rough. We were leading worship, the kids would just sit there. They would sit in their chairs, they would just stare at you blankly, no expressions at all. But then Tuesday night, something shifted. Holy Spirit started to move. Holy Spirit started to exalt Jesus in that place. And then that fire we talk about, the fire in between each person, it started to, that, that wick got started they had caught it. The thing is, worship is often caught. It's not taught. I can do my best, but worship has to be caught. We did this song, a love song, by a guy named Jason Morant. I swear it was like 30 minutes. And at the time, I would just back off the microphone and just play the chord progression, and they just kept singing. And a little side note, as a worship leader, that's probably the best feeling ever, is when you can back off the microphone and just play chords, and the congregation takes over that we're just there to facilitate. You guys are leading. But they, I looked out and they were standing on their chairs. They were laying on the floor. They were weeping because Jesus showed up and they met him. They had that spirit connection. At the end of the week, the students give their testimonies. And there was a young girl at the time, I think she's probably 10 years old, She says, it felt, talking about Tuesday night, it felt like a million people were loving on me. And then I realized it was just Jesus. 10 years old. Man, when she said that, I was just ruined. So for young people watching, age is not a prerequisite. He doesn't care how old you are. He just wants to meet you where you are. I want to stop right here and I want to say something, share something I feel like the Lord has put on my heart. Sin is not a barrier to worship. We may think it is, but it's not. We don't have to have everything figured out before we come to him. It's just not true. We can come to his presence just as we are. If you look at the sinful woman that broke open her alabaster jar and poured it out on Jesus' feet, what did she do first? She broke open the jar in worship. And then 
Jesus forgave her. But there's one exception that Jesus talks about. If you have anything against your brother or your sister, go handle that, seek forgiveness, then come back and present your worship offering. Some of us need to forgive someone. Some of us need to forgive some people. The story of Jacob and Esau I was reminded of. You know the story. Esau was the older brother, but Jacob stole the birthright. And then Jacob went off. Years later, he's going to come back thinking that Esau is really angry with him because that's the obvious thing that you would think when you took the birthright from your older brother. So he sends gifts ahead of him, trying to soften his heart, trying to, trying to butter him up. But when Esau sees Jacob, says that he ran and he embraced him. That's a sign of forgiveness. And then Jacob's response was great. After Esau embraced him, forgave him, he, Jacob says, it was like looking into the face of God when he did that. So we become most like God when we forgive. So I want to conclude with this. God has wired each one of us uniquely to praise him. The point of posture and praise and worship is not to become something or mimic something or someone you are not. Rather, it's to become exactly the most genuine you God has made you to be. It's in your DNA to praise him. He created you to express things in certain ways to him. So how you express your hearts in praise and worship is something unique just between you and him. Worship is not a sing-along. It's not about a place. It's not about a style. It's not about a stage here. It's not about who's on the stage. It's about a person. It's about Jesus. So God is looking for worshipers. He wants your heart. I want to challenge you with this. When we gather together again, I ask and I pray that you just push through the boundaries that you set up. Let's bust down those fences. Let's respond to the Spirit nudging us to praise and to worship in ways that we haven't before. What do y'all say? We all do that? So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your heart. Will we ask, or I ask, that you take us further. John, and again in the, in the book of Revelation, hears a voice saying, come up here. Lord, we hear you saying, come up here. Lord, we want to go higher in worship. We, we want to go to greater depths in the river that flows from your throne. So again, Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. Be with us the rest of the day and be with us as we gather together. Pray your spirit will fall afresh on this place. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.